Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 98 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we're going to talk all about Google certifications. We've talked on the podcast some about becoming a Google certified innovator, but We've got some other ones that we're going to talk about, the ones that you can go and sign up for and study for and all of that. And luckily, we do have a, uh, a special guest that knows an awful lot about these Google certifications. <laughs> and that, Google, that, that uh, special guest just happens to be one of the co-hosts of this podcast. So we're going to kick it over what? to Casey. I'm actually... I'm actually going to ask her some questions about this because I really don't know as much about it. So um, we've also, of course, got Google News and updates. We've got some a couple of good voice messages to share with you from our listeners and some blog posts. So you ready to get started? Let's go. Hey, y'all, it is time for some Google news and updates, and I am so excited to share this next update, which is actually an update about an update. But I have been waiting for this for so long. I told Matt, <laughs> I have to I have to take this one. And several months ago, actually, this was posted originally in April that we were going to get the ability to insert audio into our Google Slides presentations. And everybody was, you know, so excited. I jumped all over it. I made a how-to video. I wrote a blog post. And then they stopped the rollout. (laughs) And suddenly, it was my fault that it wasn't working. I'm like, Google has paused the rollout. We didn't really know why, what was going on. But we, we just kept, we got this update in May. And then we got an update in July. Well, guess what? We also got an update this month in November. And here's what they say. This feature is now fully available to rapid domain users. It is currently rolling out to scheduled release domains and should be available to listen to this all users by the end of November. Please, Google, keep your word on this. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully everybody who's been waiting for this will have it. I had it in my personal account, but I didn't have it in my G Suite for Education account. And I was trying to make it all work and help everybody figure out how to use this. So now hopefully this is a reality. I hope so too. You know, um, my my wife's uh, aunt and uncle have this phrase that they like to say. They say, "No good deed goes unpunished." I feel like that's kind of where you mm-hmm, are right there. Mm-hmm. You jumped all over that and got all that helpful stuff out, and then er, Google put the brakes on the on the audio files. So hopefully, we've got that. I knew better. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's what you get for being helpful, Casey. All right. Uh, next, we've got a little post from the um, from the keyword blog called Google Classroom Accessibility Empowers Inclusive Learning. And this is a little short one. It starts with a, um, a little a little story that I think is important because I think um, whenever we look at these accessibility features, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that 
these can be real game changers for students and um, empower their learning, but also just like, you know, help them feel able to do things that they might not have easily otherwise. So it talks about Grace, a fifth grader in uh, an elementary school near San Diego, California. She's blind, uses multiple pieces of equipment or has an aid to support her in the classroom. But it says when she started using Google Classroom with a screen reader, quote, it opened up a whole new world for her, said Grace's mom. And now she's able to participate confidently alongside her sighted peers. I just, I love stories like that where, you know, we, we hear the argument about how, you know, kids need to stay away from screens and technology is dehumanizing all of us. And this is like one of those great examples of how it's empowering kids to learn better and to do more. And I think that's so cool. It's a reminder also that they've got screen readers, voice typing, braille displays, all sorts of accessibility features in G Suite. And Google is actually looking for um, examples of people who are using tools to support all learners. And so they've got a link in this uh, post, which we have linked up in our show notes, um, to hear from you about how you're doing that. So if you're interested in reaching out and telling Google what you're doing, you can find that link in our show notes. So pretty cool story. I love this. And I think yet again, we're seeing the emphasis that Google is putting on accessibility features and making these tools work for all learners. And, you know, I'm with you. I've always felt that technology helped level the playing field for a lot of students in my classroom. So I love this. And of course, we do love Google Classroom in particular here at the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. I am going to talk about something completely different, y'all. So at the time of this recording, we are planning, I guess this episode will come out the week before Thanksgiving. So we got to get our turkey stuff in this week, y'all. And Google, in their infinite wisdom on the keyword blog, has given us a special way to map out Thanksgiving with Google Maps. So some quick tips because, you know, Thanksgiving Day can be such a crazy time. It's it's so jam-packed with driving around, trying to get to places, eating lots of great food. And, you know, sometimes you run into things like traffic. And of course, Google is giving us some tips to avoid some of the high traffic times. So it says nationally, we see that the day before Thanksgiving between 3 and 4 p.m. is the worst time to hit the road. But traffic clears up significantly by 6 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. So if by chance you can leave on the morning of, it might give you a better route and to help avoid, as they call it, any foul moods with a W. Oh, I see so what you're doing. So try to avoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't do that. Google did that. That's more of a mat kind of thing. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on on Thanksgiving, you know, avoid that rush, avoiding the crowds. They've got a few tips on on some times in different places. They've broken it down in this article by bakery, grocery stores, liquor stores, movie theaters and shopping centers. And the times vary. But if you're going to the bakery, you want to go at noon on Wednesday. If you want to hit the liquor store, <laughs> you want to go a little bit later on Wednesday. So there's your your quick tips from the tribe. And of course, they've got some other tips just on helping you 
use Google Maps to do certain things like searching along your route. And I do this a lot when I'm using Google Maps. You know, I map out where I'm going, but I'm like, I got to stop at the gas station or I need to find some coffee on the way. And so I'll do the little search along the route piece. Um, you can share your ETA with your your friends and family to let them know how far away you are or if you happen to be stuck in some of that foul traffic. And find some different hidden gems, keep from getting lost. And of course, helping you stay organized. I really love how Google brings everything together. So even when I open up maps on my phone and I'm traveling, if I have a, a flight or a hotel, I can see all of those things are right there inside Google Maps. So it keeps them all together and it's all lovely. So if you would like to learn more about the holiday trends from Google Maps, you can actually go to mappingthanksgiving.com and learn more about that. And the last piece of news that we've got on the episode today has to do with Google Sites. And this is such a cool thing. Casey and I were talking about this offline and we were going, you know, I wish that more different places that do websites like, you know, WordPress themes and different things like that would make make this just as easy. But it has to do with the new Google Sites. And now we can insert collapsible text boxes into the sites. Um I don't know if you've ever seen these uh, collapsible text boxes. They're kind of like a heading and they usually have a little down arrow. In this case, they do. And if you click the down arrow, then it will open up a whole bunch of text. So instead of having to, ha- having to display several huge blocks of text, what you can do is collapse them under that heading. And then whenever people want to read it, and then they can just click the little drop down uh, button and then they can see them. And it's super, super easy to add. Um, there's just a, a spot right over in the right hand column where you can add that. So um, pretty cool feature that is coming out. Looks like it should be rolling out any time now if um, if you're looking for that. So um, you can find links to that and anything else that we talk about on the show today at googleteachertribe.com slash 98. All right, Tribe, it is time. We're going to be talking all about Google certifications today. And I want to introduce you to our very special guest that's going to be telling us about Google certifications. Her name is Casey Bell. (laughs) Casey, welcome to the show. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. You might say I'm super excited to be here. Well, yes, you might say that. Absolutely. So you all know Casey. You probably are very familiar with her, but... um she she's going to she's going to fill us in on some uh, Google certifications today because um, we've got lots of different options. And um, so, Casey, I was wondering if you could just kind of start out. See, I get to play the interviewer role here because you know, I'm going to be uh, a little v- vulnerable with you guys. I don't know that much about Google certifications, so I'm kind of learning right alongside some of you. But I know this is kind of a thing for um, lots of teachers and lots of educators in a variety of roles. Why is it that people generally want to get these certifications? I think there are a lot of different drivers for people wanting to pursue them. I think for me, of course, this was many moons ago. Now, there were only two. There was Google Certified Trainer and Google Certified Innovator. 
For me, I really just wanted to know what was this about? I love Google. How can I learn more? And how can I get this stamp of approval? But for other people, I think it's also very empowering. And I think there's some benefits that were unexpected. So especially for me and many of the educators that I talked to today, it's not just about getting that badge. And a lot of people, frankly, don't care about badges. It doesn't even matter. But for others, it's the confidence you get by using these tools and how it can transform your classroom. And I think that's really the biggest game changer. And I can tell you, first of all, this podcast would not exist without Google certifications because Matt and I met at the Google Certified Teacher Academy, and this is our innovator project. But also, I don't think I would be doing most of the things that I am doing with shakeup learning and the speaking and the training that I'm offering just because it wasn't something I felt confident enough to do on my own. And it's not to say that I couldn't have gained that confidence in other places, but I think there's there's some benefits so much that I have been on a mission over the last few years to help as many other educators as I can reach their goals of becoming Google certified, whether that's a Google certified educator level one, level two, Google certified trainer, or even if you are looking to become a Google certified innovator. Okay, very good. So um, related to those uh, different certifications, two quick questions that I think a lot of people are probably wanting to know. A, does it take a lot of time? And B, is it hard? (laughs) Two questions that are not easy to answer Uh, either. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) No, here's the thing. So it depends where you are. It depends where you want to go and what you already know. So let's start with Google Certified Educators. So there's level one and there's level two. Level one is basic technology integration skills and a very long list of Google apps that you need to have some basic understanding of how to use it in your classroom. So certified educator is very focused on the classroom implementation. Do you have to be a classroom teacher to do this? No. In fact, I even know some students who have gotten certified educator status. So there's no requirement that you're actually a classroom teacher or a certified teacher But just know that that is the audience those are designed for. So, you know, level one, and then when you want to kick things up a notch, you go to level two. I do tell people the difference between those two is with level one, you're going pretty broad into a lot of the core apps, a lot of the apps that we talk about here on the tribe. And then in level two, you go a little bit deeper into those core apps, and then you start hitting some of those lesser known tools, things like Google Translate, things like Google Expeditions and My Maps and some of those things. So that's how I like to describe that. Now, I do have tons of free resources for all of these things. Probably the first one that I should mention is just the free ebook that explains all of the certifications. It's called The Complete Guide to Google Certifications. So um, I do have lots of freebies out there that have helped thousands of educators who are trying to learn what is this whole mess with Google certification and why should I care about it? So that's generally where I start. Now, if you want to be a Google certified trainer, you're definitely going to kick things up a notch because you need to be able to provide a resume of experience. So even though you may be able to pass all of the exams and and be prepared for that, um, the experience level for trainer could take more time. 
And the, uh, even if you're looking at innovator, those innovator projects could take more time. So that's, uh, that's the, the heart of it. Now, whether it's hard, that's a different question. So I think maybe we should break these down individually. Very good. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was wanting to go after this. So you can okay. ra- you can wrap that hard part or easy part. And I know that's all sort of subjective, but um so yeah, let's let's sort of dig into the the different levels. And I know you sort of touch broadly on them, but like um you know, what what can you what kind of stuff can you expect from the different certified educator levels at least? Okay, so let's start with the Google Certified Educator Level 1. You pass an exam and you are are certified. So it's just an exam process. It is a multiple choice drag and drop and performance-based scenario test. So here's the deal. You get a few of those multiple choice and drag and drop, and the rest are tasks you have to perform in a G Suite domain like creating a Google site, like creating a class in Google Classroom, sharing a document, um, creating a playlist in YouTube. So you actually have to perform, which I really appreciated when Google went this direction because it's a lot different just to answer a multiple choice question, like where do you click kind of thing. So actually knowing how to do it and understanding how it applies to your classroom looks a little bit different. But here's the catch. The test is timed. It's 180 minutes. And that is the number one reason why people fail this exam is they run out of time. So either you have trouble with exams to begin with and you kind of, you know, have that stress level or two, the exam system is actually confusing. I always tell people, even if you fail the first time, you have you have like 50% of the hard part is over because you now have been exposed to what the testing system looks like. So you're getting there. You do have to pay for the exam. It's only 10 bucks. So, you know, that's that's a small investment to invest in yourself. And then you have to pass with an 80 or above. And yes, people email me all the time. I got a 78. Do I have to take it again? Yes. Mm. Google wants you to pass with an 80 or above. But once you pass, you get a certificate and it's good for three years. Excellent. Okay. So that's level one, 10 bucks, 180 minutes, um, and use your time wisely is kind of my, my takeaways there. What about level two? So level two, very similar. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, we're just going to, you know, throw a little emerald bam into the mix and kick things up a notch with the content that's on the exam. But it's the exam itself is designed the same way. So multiple choice drag and drop and performance based scenarios. It's 180 minutes. This one costs $25. You still have to pass with an 80 or above and it's good for three years. But here's the catch. Just to confuse you a little bit more, you don't have to have level one before level two. Hmm. There's no prerequisite. So if you feel like you are the googly, googly, googliest person out there and you just want to skip to level two, that's absolutely fine. You can do that. However, I always tell people, even if you feel like you could rock level two, it's only 10 bucks. Go take the first one and see how you do. And then then you've got two credentials to add to your resume. Okay, very good. So if if I'm wanting to take these, well, yeah, let's let's stick with the educator. I want to wrap, come back around to trainer here in a little bit. If I want to take these, um, what are some of the best ways that, that I can um, prepare for them? So Google has a free 
Training Center, the Google Teacher Center, with two courses that are designed to prepare you for level one and level two. The fundamentals training is for level one and advanced training is for level two. And I actually wrote some of the courses that are in the Google Teacher Center. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's a great, it's free. It's, it's there for you. However, it doesn't meet everybody's needs. It's not necessarily teaching the way everybody needs to learn, but it's self-paced. It's mostly reading to learn. I'll tell you, almost everything in there is text. And it's organized in in a different way than the way I like to teach things. It's not organized by app. It's organized kind of by a broad topic like assessment, which sounds really good and purposeful. But at the same time, if you feel confident with Google Forms, but not so much with Google Sheets, you're going to have a hard time just finding the lessons to fill in those gaps. So that's that's sort of the way it's arranged. But you can work. Um, there's no one in there really tracking you. It has a little system that just kind of tells you to move along and um, there's no one to talk to. There's no help desk or anything there from Google. So you're kind of on your own, Mm -hmm. but it's there and it's free and it has helped thousands of educators become level one or level two. All right. So that that kind of covers level one and level two. Let's talk about trainer for just a little bit. Um, if I decide that I want to embark on this journey and become trainer, what does that journey kind of look like? Okay, so I like to break this into six steps. And actually, this is the way Google breaks it down in the teacher center as well. So bear with me, because this gets a little confusing. So as a trainer, there are six steps. However, you'll see some of these steps can go in a different order. So maybe maybe these should just be I don't know, a different word besides like steps because you don't items. necessarily have to do like, these items, things to check off the yeah. list. So the first thing you, you have to remember, you have to have level one and level two first. So um, actually not first, but you have to have them. That's where I said it gets confusing. I'm already confusing myself today. So you've got to pass the level one test. You've got to pass the level two test and you've got to pass the trainer skills assessment. So there are three exams that you're responsible for. There used to be five, y'all, so just be thankful. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, when I first started this process and when level one and level two didn't exist, there were five exams and they were pretty long and brutal. But you want to make sure that you've worked through the trainer course or something comparable to understand how to prepare for that trainer skills assessment, which is very different from level one and level two, which we just talked about. So you've got to have level one and level two, but you also got to take this trainer skills assessment. It's 25 multiple choice questions, and it's way easier than level one and level two. I'll just tell y'all it is. And especially if you have been in a position where you are delivering professional development to teachers, you're probably going to know this stuff. It's best practices for adult learning. It's how to create beautiful training materials. It's it's covering some of those best practices. So it's a pretty easy exam. You get a little certificate with it, but that's just, again, one little piece of the pie here. So then you've got your three certificates, level one, level two, and your trainer skills assessment. And you also have to apply, and it's a pretty lengthy application process. And this is the part that can take people some time. So you can usually knock out those exams fairly quickly. So back to your question about how long does it Mm -hmm. take. 
generally those parts, depending on what you know. So if you already are pretty savvy with Google, you're going to knock those out pretty quickly. But once you get to the application process, this is where you may need to spend some more time. So you do have to film a trainer video. And this is a three minute video where you distinguish yourself as a trainer. So you got to introduce yourself and make sure you show your, your enthusiasm and how unique and googly you are. And then you have to teach something in a screencast tutorial and you only have two minutes to do it. And it needs to be pretty advanced. So teaching something in a screencast in two minutes can be pretty difficult. So planning that video very carefully, editing it very carefully. I took out every breath I ever took in mine to get it down. Um, By the way, in my video, which the requirements were slightly different back then, but I taught Doctopus in in mine. And that was very hard to teach so quickly, but I tried my best to do it. And then you have the other requirements that are all in the application. So you're going to submit all those certificates and your video you're going to have a series of short answer questions about a case study. So you're going to have to submit evidence from a training that you've done, the feedback you've taken from participants. You're going to have to prove to Google that you have training experience in Google. So you will have to submit your five most recent trainings in that application. And yes, you need to have Google in the title of those trainings. I get those questions all the time. Go figure. Google wants to make sure you're actually teaching Google. It's great that you teach these other things, but here's what happened to me. The first time I applied for a trainer, I was not accepted. And it was because I was training and doing lots of it, but I wasn't really training on Google yet. In fact, I kind of wanted to have my little certified trainer thing before I started putting that out there. And it's the complete opposite. You need to get out there. You need to do it at your school. If you can reach out to different conferences and make that um, that effort to build your resume. So there are lots of different pieces in that that you'll have to submit. So that application contains everything. So that's the last step in the process. And here's the thing. One of the number one reasons applications are not accepted is because people don't share their Google files correctly. Oh, no. Seriously? (laughs) Lots of people do that. Yes, seriously. So you have to be really careful because you do have to upload your video to YouTube and make sure that video is viewable. You have to upload your training materials and make sure they're viewable to anyone with the link. So there's a lot of those little steps that you have to, you know, and sometimes we just forget, you know, how many times have I done that in a room full of hundreds of people? Wait, hang on, I didn't share it. And I got to jump in and do it. So um, that's the thing. They just want to make sure you've got that experience because to keep trainer There are requirements every single year. And first of all, you have to submit at least 12 trainings to Google each year just to prove that you are consistently doing that. So that's a big thing. And that's why they want to make sure you're actually doing it. Okay. That is a lot of stuff. So I'm seeing that in the Google Teacher Center, they've got the level one fundamentals training. They've got the advanced training for level two. They have a certified trainer course. It sounds like it's pretty self-paced. And like you said, there's just not a whole lot of, um, you know, sort of like uh, individual support and all of that. And I know that since, you know, you've, you've put a lot of your professional life into learning about these Google certifications and helping people, um, you've probably got some resources out there that can help people with their certifications. Right, Casey? 
I do. It's funny that you ask. No, y'all, seriously, I have tons of free stuff and I've loaded up the show notes for you. So my free ebook that I mentioned earlier is kind of this is where I would start. And then if you're ready, I have a free webinar that's how to get Google certified if you want the really detailed version of everything I just poured out on you. So those are there for you. And I've got tons of other videos and supports, but I do teach my own version of these courses because what's in the Google Teacher Center doesn't work for everyone. And I have been teaching this now for, I was trying to figure this out, six six years maybe. And I used to teach boot camps face-to-face and they were a nightmare to teach. There's so much information to fit into those. And oftentimes, you know, when people attend, they're all at different levels. So as a trainer trying to differentiate, it becomes pretty impossible to get everybody up to the same level. And what I found was that a lot of people were attending boot camps, not not just mine, but lots of other ones out there more than once just because they couldn't retain it all. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And especially because that, you know, the Google Teacher Center is there, but there's nothing there to keep you going, to keep you pushing to do it. And so I decided to create my own online self-paced version so that you can differentiate for yourself. You can self-assess where you are. You can fill in those gaps. You can watch the videos. You can rewatch the videos. It's all video-based learning. It's all hands-on. And it's broken down by application. So that makes it so much easier if you're like, oh, I'm great with Google Docs, but somebody please help me with Sheets. And you really need to spend some time in Sheets, which oftentimes that is one of the bigger gaps that people have in their learning. So that has been my goal. And I've been now teaching these online courses for over three years. And lots and lots of people have had success. I should say hundreds have become Google certified through these courses. And they only open twice a year, which is kind of why we decided to talk about this today. So my courses will open on November 19th, but it's a limited window to enroll. So you have to enroll before 11.59 p.m. Central on December 3rd. So there's just that quick two-week window to join. And if you don't join, you have to wait again until May. So I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. But please know that if you can do it on your own, you absolutely have the resources out there. I'm just offering another way to do it to help support more educators. It's like you said, you know, if if you're kind of familiar with the way that you learn and what you can do, you know, maybe there's a chance that you can do this on your own, or maybe it's something where you think this is something I really, really, really want to do, but I'm going to need a little bit of extra support. So it sounds like they've got a couple of different options with some of the things that you offer. Definitely. And so I'll have links to everything, the free stuff, the courses, all the dates, all of that in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 98. So glad that our guest was able to stop by the show today. Thank you, Ms. Casey Bell, for for sharing some information with all of the (laughs) listeners. Thank you for having me, Matt. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. So, Matt, are you ready to jump into the mailbag? (laughs) Yes, I'm always ready to jump into the mailbag. So here we go. We have a 
voice message here from our friend and former guest. Actually, I think one of our earliest guests that we had on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, we have Jen Giffen. And Jen left us a message about a really cool Chrome extension that does something that we were trying to accomplish in a previous episode, and that is to make a copy of a Google Drive folder. So take it away, Jen. Hi, Matt and Casey. It's Jen Giffen at Ritual Giff on all the social media from Shooks and Giff, the podcast. I just wanted to share something that was going to uh, help out a listener from episode 96, Jen Green, who was looking for a solution for copying all of the folders and subfolders uh, in someone's drive. Uh, we have a colleague, uh, Kim and I, his name is Fatty Butanos. He is a former computer science teacher, and he noticed this problem as well when we were all working together and decided to write uh, a Chrome extension that solves this very problem, and it's amazing. It is called Files and Folder Copier, and you can find it in the G Suite Marketplace. It does exactly what you want. It will take an entire folder, no matter who owns it, and no matter who owns what's in the subfolder, create a full copy wherein the copier becomes the owner of everything and everything's kept neatly and nicely on a spreadsheet. It's fabulous. Um, I will DM both of you the link to that and you can give it a try. The only uh, glitch that I found with it is that it doesn't work very well or I haven't actually got it to work at all with the shared drive yet. Now Fatty claims you can do that but I've yet to see him again at work to uh, to have him walk me through but it definitely works with anything that's in your drive that's been shared with you just not in that shared drive. Uh, take care. Keep up the great work and looking forward to uh, seeing you hit the 100 milestone, guys. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing that. I am definitely going to have to check that one out. Yeah, that's such a cool extension. And to think that it just like, you know, there, someone was able to just go in and make it. I'm sure it was probably wasn't because of the show, you know, but yeah, you never know. Never know. So anyway, um, wanted to move on to another one. Um We've got a message here from Steve Dutcher, all the way from Okinawa, Japan. Steve, go ahead and take it away. Hi, Matt and Casey. This is Steve from Okinawa, Japan. I want to thank you guys for continuing to collaborate on this amazing podcast. I also want to share what I discovered today. My partner and I were trying to find a way to print not only our students' essays from Google Docs for display on our exemplars board, but we also wanted to include our feedback that we had been giving them in the comments. I went to the Google forums and posted a question and discovered that it's been posted many times before. And it seems like this feature has not been added anywhere yet that I could find anyway. So I kind of gave it up. Um, regardless, we were trying to batch print these essays from drive. So we wound up selecting all the essays we wanted to print, downloading them to our computers in a zip file, extracting those. They opened up into Microsoft Word documents. I'd highlight a group of those and I was batch printing for Microsoft Word and I was amazed to see a pop-up that said, this document includes comments. Do you want to continue? Oh my God. It was like a light bulb. I couldn't believe it. Our comments were there and they were being printed in the right-hand margin of the essays through Microsoft Word. I couldn't believe it. Ah, so there's a couple of reasons that I love this. First of all, you know, that, that they're using Google Docs and that they're, they're creating these essays and they wanted to print some of them out. And I know for some of us, you know, seeing the idea of, of printing just kind of makes us go, uh, but it's digital. Why do we need to print it out? 
but he's using it for the exemplars board, you know, so displaying student work in a way that you don't have to turn on a screen to see it still pretty cool. And the fact that he wanted to use the comments in it too. Um, I kind of like all of that. And then, um, I really love this. It's almost like an app smash of using docs and word to, to make this happen. So if you've ever wondered how you can take those comments from your Google docs and be able to print them, I think Steve has kind of given us a roadmap for that. So pretty cool stuff. Um, if you want to see more information on this or anything else in the episode, of course, you can go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 98. All right, Tribe, we've got a couple of quick blog posts to share with you, and then we're going to be out of here. Um, I just recently published something on Ditch That Textbook about using Chromebooks offline. Now, the reason I did this is I know at least here in Indiana, and I think in some other states too, uh, we have this thing called e-learning days. These are the ones where whenever we have a snow day, you know, there's inclement weather and school gets called um some of the days are able to be made up without having to actually, you know, go to school on another day because students are able to use their devices from home. And of course, one of the big problems with, uh, with that is that a lot of kids just don't have uh, stable internet access at home, but there's a lot that you can do with your Chromebooks whenever they're offline. And so this post goes through how you're able to set up your offline access, what some of the apps are that you can use. And I even give a bunch of examples of activities that you could do uh, for your students if you want to use them for those e-learning days or really whenever students are without internet access, if you want them to be able to use those devices. Um, we also have a link to, by the way, to the uh, uh, ditch that textbook digital summit. That is my free online conference for teachers that I put on every year. Uh, it starts December 21st this year and goes all the way through January 8th. And I'm starting to do some of the recordings and oh my goodness, we've got some really good stuff for you this year. Uh, there's more than 50 speakers. If you count the ones that are in the archives and with each one of them, you can watch the videos and generate a certificate of completion for professional development credit. So um, ditch summit.com is where you can get signed up for that for free and you'll get email reminders whenever it's getting ready to come up. Yes, y'all don't want to miss it. He does a great job with that every year. I am proud to say I am OG. I was part of the very first one. So great experience and it's free. So gotta love that. I have an episode of the Shake Up Learning Show I wanted to share. I know we have a lot of tech coaches and tech leaders who listen to the podcast and I did an on-air coaching episode with a coach. So it was coaching a coach and we were talking about some different ways to make an impact, talking about goal setting, communication strategies, uh, professional development strategies, and lots of other really great ideas. So if you want to check that out, we've got that in the show notes. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, those Google certification courses will open up on November 19th. And you can learn more about that by going to getgooglecertified.com. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me as a special guest today. <laughs> I, hope, I hope everybody learned a little bit more. I know I appreciate the fact that I had the opportunity to share today. And of course, if anybody has questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Shake Up Learning on social media. You can find me pretty 
much everywhere. So happy to answer those questions after today or leave us a speak pipe message. We had so much fun in today's episode and we always love learning with all of you. So keep all of those ideas coming. Please keep sharing with us on the GT Tribe hashtag and on our special feedback page on googleteachertribe.com. We will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. Ms. Bell, thank you again so much for joining us. Okay, I I can't do this anymore. Okay. <laughs>